The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the 16th chapter. Jesus said, There was a rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen, and who feasted sumptuously every day. And at his gate was laid a poor man named Lazarus, covered with sores, who desired to be fed with what fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, even the dogs came and licked his sores. The poor man died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried. And in Hades, being in torment, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham far off and Lazarus at his side. And he called out, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus to dip the end of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am in anguish in this flame. But Abraham said, Child, remember that you in your lifetime received your good things, and Lazarus, in like manner, bad things. But now he is comforted here, and you are in anguish. And besides all this, between us and you a great chasm has been fixed, in order that those who would pass from here to you may not be able, and none may cross from there to us. And he said, Then I beg you, Father, to send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers so that he may warn them, lest they also come into this place of torment. But Abraham said, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, No, Father Abraham, but if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. He said to him, If they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced if someone should rise from the dead. This is the Gospel of the Lord. I bring you grace and peace from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. God's word for us today is Paul, from Paul's first letter to Timothy, chapter 6. And I read just one verse. As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. Enjoyment. God provides each one of you with everything for you and other people to enjoy. He gives you everything you have to maximize your enjoyment. The downturn in the global economy since 2009 has taught us a lot about the uncertainty of riches. But I think that we have not yet learnt two other very important lessons from that downturn. The first is that the desire to be rich is a deadly trap that, falls th that ruins those who fall into it. And second, the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some years ago, I overheard a fascinating conversation 
on a car trip from Ayers Rock, where I had uh, taught some of our Aboriginal pastors and evangelists in Central Australia, to Alice Springs. The conversation was between Pastor Buller, a senior Aboriginal pastor, and Paul Albrecht, a missionary who had spent all his life serving the Aborigines in Central Australia. The Aboriginal pastor asked two simple questions. What is money? was the first. Is it coins or paper? Is it a card or a secret password, a magic password? And then second, who decides what it's worth and how? The government, the banks, the shops, or the people who make it? I can't possibly sum up the wide-ranging conversation that went on for about three hours. In the end, Pastor Albrecht had to admit that money had no real worth. It had no real worth. It was merely a token uh, of value for something real. It was only uh, worth as much as people decided it was worth. Now that conversation got me thinking about what God has to say about money and wealth. So when I got home, I looked up all the parts of the New Testament that dealt with this topic. And for the first time in my life, actually examined this passage from 1 Timothy very closely. And I was fascinated and surprised to discover uh, uh, that Paul tells us how the love of money destroys our enjoyment of life. And secondly, he tells us how God frees us from the love of money to increase our enjoyment. Well, how does money trap us? Well, uh, it traps us in three ways. The first trap is that we want to be rich. We make money the goal of our lives. Instead of using it to live as God wants us to live and to do what God wants us to do. We imagine in our stupidity that money and possessions will make us really and truly happy. It will provide a good foundation for a good life, not just now, but most of all in the future. So the more we have, the safer we will be. The more we have, the more we will have to enjoy the happier we will be. The more we have, the more content we will be. But that's a lie. As we get more and more stuff, we want more and more. It's never enough. 
We're never satisfied with what we have. Secondly, we begin to love money. Instead of loving people who love us, we love money and the things that money can provide us. Money and things that can't love us. Your money doesn't love you and you can't therefore love your money. The more we love money, the harder we work to make more and more and more money. And the more we ignore the people around us. So they begin to take second place to our pursuit of wealth. With our love for money comes many other cravings, many other foolish and harmful desires that plunge us into ruin and destruction. The greedy desire to collect more and more are trappings of wealth that advertise our importance, our status and our power. The gluttonous desire for gourmet food and other uh, and uh, extravagant forms of entertainment, but above all, the haughty desire to control and manipulate others and to use our money to show how important we are. So the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. It isolates us and impoverishes us in our relationships with other people. Third, we turn money into an idol that we serve by putting our hope on money or in money to provide a good life for us, a happy life for us. We live as if there is no God. We live as if there's nothing better in life than our possessions and we hope that one day we will have enough to really and truly enjoy life. We will be able to sit down and have a good time for us. We will be able to retire. Meanwhile, we work so hard that we have no time for daily refreshment and daily enjoyment. Um, we have little time for God, we miss out on the joy that God wants to give us by our connection with him. So our pursuit of riches impoverishes us as people. Well, how then does God free us from the love of riches, the riches, the love of riches, which destroys our enjoyment of what we have. Well, God promises, first of all, to give us all that we need to support our body and life. And more than that, he gives us everything we need, and uh, even more than that, to give us enjoyment. He provides us with all that we have for us to enjoy. He's not a miser. He's not a killjoy 
but he's a loving heavenly father who lavishes his gifts on us. He wants us to enjoy life here on earth and life forever with him in heaven. He gives us our daily bread for our daily enjoyment. Day by day, he gives us all that we need so that we can serve him every day um, wherever we are and in whatever we do and enjoy our work. Uh, so our money, our possessions are not to be used and in, uh, are to be used and enjoyed here and now, not sometime in the future. Ultimately, you can't take your money with you when you die. You've got to leave it behind. Secondly, he gives us the best thing already here and now. He gives us eternal life through his dear son. Do you realize that through Jesus, you have eternal life already here and now? Real life. Life that is truly life, full life, abundant life, as much as you can enjoy now and st still more to come in eternity. In fact, all the good things that he gives you to enjoy now, such as food and clothing, marriage and family, friendships and fun, are a foretaste of still better things to come. So we Christians really and truly do have the best of both worlds. And lastly, um, he tells us how best to invest our surplus wealth. Just listen to what Paul tells Timothy. He says, charge those who are rich in the present age to do good and to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up for themselves as a, as a foundation for the future so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. If you have more than you need, and I fancy that applies to most of you, you can best invest your surplus wealth in people, people who will be with you in heaven. And by investing in people, you store up treasure for yourselves in heaven. You make a guilt-edged eternal investment that will never depreciate, but in fact will increase in value as you share it with others and then others share it still with others. And so it keeps on growing and the joy and the enjoyment keeps on growing. There's two ways in which we do this. First of all, by being generous in doing deeds of mercy. Deeds of mercy, um, such as we hear about in the parable of the Last Judgment. Feeding the hungry, 
and giving drink to the thirsty, offering hospitality to strangers and foreigners, refugees and migrants, giving clothing and shelter to homeless people, caring for the sick and the dying, caring for widows and orphans and other disadvantaged people, visiting prisoners and showing love to them, doing good works. You can make your own list, you know what they are. And secondly, uh, we invest in people by giving gifts of mercy each Sunday in the offering that we give to God here in the divine service. An offering that's used to support two different groups of people. First of all, the poor and needy, and pastors and church workers and the work of the church as well. In both cases, by being generous in doing good works and generous in giving money to God, you invest in other people. There's no better and safer investment than that. St. Lawrence is a much-loved Christian saint, too little known to us Lutherans. He died a martyr's death in 258 AD. Now, because he was such a good businessman, such a good manager, he could very easily have become a very wealthy man. But instead of that, he became one of the seven deacons in the church in Rome. A deacon who managed the property and finances of the many congregations in the city of Rome. Congregations that were well known around the Christian world as being very generous. Now since the emperor in his day, a man called Severus, um, needed more money to finance his expensive bureaucracy and his army, he looked around and thought that uh, he could best finance that by confiscating the um, as assets of the church. So he ordered Lawrence to produce the treasures of the church for him to confiscate. And Lawrence says, look, they are so large that I need three days to gather them all together. Three days later, Lawrence surprised the governor of the city by bringing all the pastors and all the poor people that were supported by the offerings of the congregations in Rome. Hundreds of poor, crippled, infirmed, sick, bedridden uh, people. He presented them to the prefect of the city, the governor, and he said, these are our treasures. These are our treasures. Those churches invested in people, not in things. 
You, my dear fellow saints, are incredibly rich. Rich spiritually, but also rich physically by any standard internationally, particularly by third world standards. Don't let your love of money or the love of money destroy your enjoyment. Money can be deadly because it destroys joy. Don't set your hope on uncertain riches, but on God, who richly provides you with everything that you need and much more. Be generous and willing to share what you have when you come to church and anywhere at any time. Enjoy your wealth by sharing some of it with others uh, who need it more than you. Spread your enjoyment and get even greater enjoyment by sharing it with others. Remember, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Remember that Jesus says, give and it will be given to you. In the name of Jesus. Amen.